All right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lions podcast. Today, we have an absolutely incredible interview with Oshun Oshuni. It was awesome. I mean, you guys are going to be listening to it pretty soon here, but it was great to have him on right before the Hawk game. Briefly talked about the Hawkeyes, but more so honestly just kind of about his Iowa State career, his career before Iowa State, and kind of plans for the future. But as always, we are brought to you by BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game. Head on over there this week for Dead Week. They have a bar crawl showcasing $4 AMFs. BNC from 8 to, or excuse me, 7 to 8 p.m., Mickey's to 8 to 9 p.m., and AJ's 9 to 10 p.m. And of course, they have $5 wraps every single Friday, opening at 4 p.m. And of course, they do have their every single day deals of $5 pitchers. So head on over there, support our boy Ben, and thank you guys for tuning in. And without further ado, we will get into Oshun Oshuni. Today, we have an incredibly special interview. We have 610 Senior Center for the Iowa State Cyclones, two-time Atlantic 10 Defensive Player of the Year in both 2021 and 2022, and Atlantic 10 Championship Most Outstanding Player. We got Oshun Oshuni. How are you doing, Oshun? I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm doing well, man. Doing well. I'm just trying to relax a little bit. Sounds good, man, especially before a big game in Iowa. So my first question is just kind of, you know, on the train of you transitioning from St. Bone to Iowa State. And I heard on an interview with Stans and Christofferson, by the way, love those guys. Go and check out their interview with Shun. It was a good one. Um, you mentioned that, you know, one of your motivating factors on coming to Iowa State was watching a guy like Brockington, who started his career out at St. Bonaventure, then to Penn State, then to Iowa State, and just really seeing him kind of thrive and come into his own there. So obviously, I know there are some other external factors, but talk with me a little bit about Isaiah and just kind of how maybe watching his path to get to Iowa State kind of allowed you to make your own path, but kind of in a similar fashion, though. Oh, uh, so like I didn't I didn't know uh, Zay, you know, before he was like he was a year before me when I went into my freshman year at Bonaventure. But the seniors that were on the team when I came in, they, they knew him. They were really close with me, liked him. So I kind of met him through those guys and kind of like kind of kept with that relationship like that. And then I always kept a track, like tra- kept track of where he was at when he was at Penn State and how he played. And then when I saw him get to Iowa State, you know, just happened to be watching all the games over, like, over the course of the season and just saw how much he had gotten better from his time at Bonaventure then at Penn state and then came to Iowa state and basically was like one of the main guys and doing all the dirty work. So kind of just seeing how he progressed and everything like that. And then knowing the program and then TJ and the coaching staff kind of just explaining like how they got him to where he was and the plan they had for me, it all kind of just felt like kind of just fit perfectly for me in the end. It's really a unique experience for us. Um, not to totally just, put a slight towards Steve prone, but you know, we did see some players in the past who were incredible coming into our program and just didn't quite feel like we were kind of developing them like we needed to. And then you see someone like Otz and year one, you see these guys just pop off. I, I mean, Brockington was an excellent player at Penn state. He showed his athleticism almost every single game, but he was a little bit more of a role player and you see him come into a program like Otz and you can see the development. You can see him not only excel as a, you know, 
dunker, but I mean, or as a defensive player, but also in his offensive game too. I mean, his mid range was incredible. I don't think I saw that much in, at Penn state and yeah, development is a huge thing. And I think uh, that's kind of where you want to go when looking at that next level, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I think just overall, you want to always find things to improve on. And I think the one thing that makes TJ great is that he knows the game so well and he knows where the game is like trending. And at the end of the day, he just wants to put you in the best position to be able to showcase your talents and showcase what you can do and kind of uh, be the best person or best player you can be when you're on the court at all times. And I think that's one thing that I've come to love about him. He's always giving me confidence every single day, practices, just kind of working on my game and giving me the confidence to keep going. He he knows that I have so much in me, like talent wise, and like that I could, you know, tap into that, you know, kind of uh, that skill and keep getting better every day. Love that. So kind of piggybacking on that um, with you being like a, you know, a defensive player in the A-10 a couple of years, when you were making your decision here to to transfer this offseason, was it kind of like the style that Ots plays and how um, like defensive minded this team is that kind of sold you on Iowa State? Or what, what was your biggest factors that kind of set the Cyclones apart from other schools that you were considering? Um, I mean, again, it goes back to me talking about Zay watching, you know, the games over the course of the season and seeing how well they played defensively and how tight they were like as a unit on the defense. I kind of like, for me, that was like, wow, like this team really plays defense. So that kind of was one thing, but overall just on my visit, just kind of sitting down with the staff, you know, TJ Schmidt, all the guys, and just kind of hearing like the blueprint that they have for me, like what they want, that what they know, they see that I can do and what they want to tap into kind of help expand my game all around and I think when I heard that and kind of sat here uh in the office with my family it was kind of just like once I got you know talked to them and like sat my family I was like this feels like the right place for me just how they see me in the program and how they see me fitting in their style of play and I kind of just like fell in love with it love it so I oh my bad new you're good am I already talking over you you always do it but it's fine (laughs) damn it I'm already doing it though um so okay a little bit of a question here, and I'm not going to lie. I might go on a little mini rant, a mini, mini rant. So the uh, in one interview, and I didn't, I'm not trying to call him out because I didn't recognize his name. I don't know who asked this question, but a reporter asked, you know, before you started the season, hey, you know, how's, uh, how's that three ball transitioning to Iowa State? Is Coach Otts, you know, shutting that down or what's that like? And your answer was, you know, everything has been consistent from when Oz recruited me. So I assume that your conversations before he committed was, we're going to let you shoot the three ball. We want to develop that. Um, and it sounds like it's been consistent in practice ever since then. And I've, you know, we've seen you shoot the ball as well, just in some of the few games we've watched you. I guess, how has that been just as far as the consistency of, you know, from where it was hearing about Iowa state now being here. And then on the other kind of end of things, you know, how, how has that been just kind of working on your outside jumper? Oh, uh, I mean, just for, for the first question, I mean, just the consistency, like he sat, when we sat down and talked and when on my visit, he was like, I want you to be able to step out, you know, expand your game on the perimeter, you know, that's not just shooting, but, you know, decision-making ball handling, all that stuff at the same time, still, you know, work on the inside. So it wasn't like I was coming here just to be a stretch. Like, I'm still going to work on my inside game and perfect that stuff. But at the same time, continue to work to progress my game and get out on the perimeter. And, I mean, it's been consistent every single day. I mean, he demands me to be great every single day. He pushes me to be great every single day to keep us um, this level, the high standard that we have here at Iowa State. And from that visit to here we are now in December, it's nothing has changed from our conversations. Nothing has gone away. 
it's been exactly the same. And I think just being able to have that freedom and having the confidence that he gives me every single day to be able to shoot that shot and then to see it go in a couple of times, it kind of gives me more confidence. But every single day I'm I'm working at it every single day, inside game and outside game, just trying to get better all around. Well, you can tell that you can shoot it anywhere on the court. I mean, and not everyone who's 6'10 has the ability to do that. So it's pretty damn cool to watch for us. Um, you know, one thing that I guess I'm passionate about is when you're specifically a college coach, and this probably goes the same for high school coaches as well. Your job is not only to, you know, elevate your team as best as you can, but to also develop these individual athletes as best as you can. Now look at the NBA today. You will not, you know, go there unless you kind of know how to shoot. And so when I heard that question, I, I probably got like unnecessarily bothered by it. Cause I'm like, Hey, if Oz is developing you the way you need to go to go to that extra level, then you need to, you know, develop all facets of your game. You need to know how to shoot despite if you're six ten or not, you know, back in the nineties, you could be six ten and and not shoot and you could still be dominant. That's not exactly the game anymore. So with, when it comes to developing them, it needs to be a development for that next level as well. And it was just, it was really reassuring to hear that. First of all, all of the words exchanged during recruitment versus where where you're at now are consistent, but more than anything that he's very committed to developing you guys and turning you guys into the best all around athletes possible. Cause you need to look at, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, evaluate them and leverage your strengths, but also work on your weaknesses. So like I said, a little bit of a rant there, but it was just, um, it was good to hear that, you know, what I was hoping out of odds was exactly what it was. <laughs> so following up on that with, with odds, um, you kind of talked on it a little bit, but um, you're in, you're in it now. How, how honestly does this team defend so well? Like, where does this extra effort, because it, it feels like a 50, 50 ball is like a 75, 25 in favor of Iowa state. You know, it's like there are games, even when, you know, you guys are, someone tweeted it, uh, during North Dakota, it's like this team's up 15 against North Dakota with two minutes left. And like jazz is jumping in the stands, getting a loose ball. Like, where does that come from exactly? And like, is it a whole player buying? Is it something that odds does and everyone picks up on it? Or like, I guess what, what's that kind of like secret sauce that's really propelled this team to have that, that mindset mentality. I mean, it started when we first got to campus in the summertime, you know, like first day of, of workouts, you know, TJ was, he's, he laid down a blueprint. This is what Iowa state's basketball is going to be. This is what we're going to do every single night for our fans. Like, when that first game comes, like we want those guys to like know that this is who we're going to be. This is our identity. So when that first day hit and we got ready for team practice in the summertime, it started then. And it just built every single day, building our habits, continuing to get better every single day, working on that. Just being, like I said, identity is being a hard-nosed defensive team, you know, turn teams over and oppose our will on them. I say that all the time when I, in like post-game press conference on the radio, like that's who we want to be known as, a hard-nosed defensive team. And I think building those habits every single day, and then being able to show it is just something that we take a lot of pride in being a defensive team. And that's something we like to, we want to continue to work on and get better every single day. I honestly love it because I went to school during the, the Hoiberg era, which it was, it was fantastic. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch that team, but there were so many frustrating games where if you're off offensively, you're just kind of out of the game because you know, defensively, you can't stop it. And Mason, and I even talked about this a little bit last year in the podcast, but like, we think that this team last year could make a run in the tournament because even if you have an off shooting night, it's really hard to get a bucket against this team. And that's, a, that's the same thing that this, this mindset and odds has for this, you know, you're saying the backbone of this team. So it's, it's really kind of refreshing to see this uh, like 
be driven versus kind of the past that we've seen a lot of more offensive base. And then it's like, well, we can try and stop them. And it's like, well, like if that's your defensive mentality, you're going to maybe struggle on the nights that you're just not seeing the hoop well. So. No. Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing is just like, you are, you're going to win games playing defense, you know, like they, like the quote, the thing is defense wins championships. And I think we, I mean, you can say we live by that, but we, we live it every single day, you know, in practice, you know, even when we're going, we're going against each other, like, we're pushing each other to get better. Like we're not, we don't care. Like guys don't care if they're on like second team or on starting five, like they're trying to like, you know, make us look bad and every single day. And it helps us, you know, get better every single day. So when we get to the games, we're like, you can pressure as much as you want, but like we've been through this since June. Like we know what you're going to do. Like we're not worried about it. This is easy for us. And like it translates, like TJ always says, like, it doesn't matter what happens on offense we're going to fix it on the defensive end. You know, it wouldn't be a good offensive team like as well, you know, kind of cut pass, be a great flowing offensive team. But if all this isn't working, we have our staple and that's defense. And we're going to live, live and die by defense, you know, going hard every single day on defense. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be pretty cool. Were you guys kind of disappointed that you didn't hold St. John's to um, under 20 points at half the other night? Uh, <laughs> Cause I, I felt like that, that had to have become a goal when you got really close to half. It's like, I mean, let's, let's no, not let them get a two on the board. We weren't here. really like thinking about that. We were just trying to just continue to do what we, had, we were doing the entire first half. And that's just kind of just keep, you know, pressuring them, turning them over. I don't think anyone at one point was like, let's keep them under 20. It was just, let's just keep doing what we were doing. Let's just keep stick to the game plan keep playing Iowa State basketball, pressuring them, getting into the ball, making them turn the ball over. I mean, St. John's is a great team, too. I mean, they're unbeaten until Sunday, uh, and you guys held them to 60 points, which is 10 points less than their lowest point. There wasn't a single game where they didn't score 70 points until Iowa State. Um, you, I mean, yeah, you can see it, first of all, just watching the game, but obviously in the results as well, you can just tell that this team is defense first and it's, it's new to us. But it's a lot of fun, too, because I think it's the best way to keep in every single game. I mean, yeah, it's fun to play defense. It's fun to get stops, you know, take charges, turn the ball over, get out in the break. You know, it's kind of fun. And you turn you turn teams over, you, you get fast break layups, you get the crowd involved, and then Hilton Magic just kind of takes over. Like, like we played uh, we played the game since St. John's. Like, it was loud in there. It was packed. It was the energy was crazy. You, kind of, you just feed off it. You feed off Hilton Magic. I love that you said you feed off Hilton Magic. Um you know, that's one thing that really just gets me just energized. It gets me going whenever I see these players who just, you know, just truly show their energy and are not afraid to be hype. I think um, Brockington certainly had that. I don't know if you watched Dustin Hogue play in the day, but that was, you know, exactly what the embodiment of Hilton magic was, you know, just these players feasting off of this crazy energy. And that's really what I see out of you. I think, um, you know, you're not afraid to have a big play and just kind of, you know, lean into the hype of the crowd. I mean, what's it like, you know, experiencing Hilton magic versus maybe any other, uh, you know, not even just St. Bonaventure, but any other like, you know, courts that you've played on. Is there anything that kind of compares to Hilton Magic? Uh, I mean, I remember, I mean, at Bonaventure, you know, like I always tell people like, because I remember when I got here, I heard so much about Hilton Magic and like it gets loud, the court will shake. And I'm like, you know, me coming for four years, I'm not going to have love for my alma mater at Bonaventure. But I always tell people like Bonas was like, the what made Bonas like different in a way is that it was like so like tight compacted like the fans were like right on your back so if you're on the opposing team like they're right there on you like that's how it would get loud in there too and i think 
uh, this past Sunday when we played uh, St. John's, just that energy, like really feeling the energy of that game and like we're getting stopped or going on a run. And I think at one point in time, I think, uh, I think it was, I think Rob, I think Rob had like fouled out. And like, as he's coming off the court, he's like getting the crowd hype and like, you could like, like feel the court kind of shaking. It was kind of like, I had my ears started ringing for a second. That's how loud it got when he was coming off the court. And I was like, like, wow, like it was magic. Like they weren't lying about it. And I heard so much about it and I couldn't wait to like, they fans have been unbelievable every game that we've had at, at uh, Hilton, but like, that energy that I felt Sunday, I was like, geez, man, like this is this is crazy. And you it makes you just want to play even harder. Cause when you get them involved, you get the fans involved and they're they're help cheering you on. They give you more energy. You play harder on defense, you know, and then you want to get more stops to get keep them involved. So it just I love feeding off that energy, you know, making energy plays, get them involved. Cause when they get involved and we get energized, we play so much better. Love that. That's the best part about being a defensive team, too, is because like if you're an offensive team, you don't exactly want the crowd to get in it when you're on the offensive end, because like, we're trying to communicate and run our offense, but you know, you want everyone screaming and shit the entire time you're on defense. I, I always love to, it's like, I don't know if you guys ever know as the players, but it's normally when like the shot clock hits like that seven or like six seconds and everyone's pumped. Cause they're like, this defense is great. They're not going to get a shot up and you can just, I don't know. It's like a slight energy boost where the crowd's like, we got five oh, yeah. more seconds and to at cheer the same time, It's like, you can, you use that as a good thing, but at the same time, we know like their counting is sometimes off of the shot clock. Cause it'll be at like 10 and they'll say seven. So that's just like the communication part that we have is that makes us a great defensive team. Like, even though we hear the crowd saying like four, three, we know there's still like seven seconds on the clock and we're still communicating, but, you make energy plays like taking charge. You hit a crowd go crazy. It just makes you want to do it again. Get them involved even more. What's the best way? I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you three examples here. What's the best feeling or the one that will make you most energized? Dunking on someone, thwapping a three in someone's face, or just stuffing a layup right against the backboard. For me, I'm gonna say the block. Like I'm gonna say I like, love that. I'm gonna say the block because like just that's how I've been like if you look up at if you look at any of my like highlights from Bonaventure when I played I get a block and I'm looking at the student section and they're getting they're getting hype and it gets me going it helps me play hard so like a block inbounds I can't really react as much but if it block it and it goes like three rows deep it's like now it gives me a chance to look at, like gives me a chance to get the crowd involved look at the crowd get them hyped up and it pumps me up pumps the team up and now we're all even playing harder so I would say I mean dunking on someone is like is good same hitting a three but for me being a defensive guy blocking a shot either off the backboard or out of bounds that's probably the best thing for me and to me it's it's wild that you never really worked a ton at you know specifically shot blocking you said it was something that just kind of came naturally to you that is one thing that i mean dude i'm 5'10 like newt's under six foot two like we're short guys so maybe it's partly because we never had the experience to actually block someone's shot very often but i always found that timing a shot was the hardest part um, now you have like a crazy wingspan, very tall, and you can jump out of the gym, but at the same time, what I've noticed, at least just from kind of watching you is your timing on that is perfect. And it doesn't sound like that was really anything that you had to work on. It was just something that kind of came to you. Yeah. I mean, I never, like you go in the gym, working your jump shot, working your handle, working your posts, like all that, like post moves and like maybe playing defense, but sliding your feet, but blocking shots. I never sat in the gym and had someone just take layups and different headlines I could try to block it it was I first played basketball 
the first time I ever picked up a basketball and played it like in an organized thing was fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I was blocking shots just naturally. I had no offensive game, like couldn't do the things that I'm doing now. I was just blocking shots. It was just something that I could do, and I did it really, really well. Like I never sat in the gym and was like, all right, like I'm going to have like a friend of mine come and just take different layups and I go block it. I just kind of had the knack for it when I first played and then go through the years of me playing. And then here I am now. I think I have like over 300 in my career right now. <laughs> like I, it's just something that I just had naturally, you know, this, this natural thing that I have. Newt and I would hate you if we ran into you in like AAU basketball. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, even then, like AAU was like, for me, like that was kind of like how I got, my college interest because like again in high school I wasn't the best like I played late I didn't take it serious until like almost my senior year of high school so I was only playing because I was tall like I played in fifth grade I didn't play for sixth and seventh I transferred schools played in eighth I started playing again in eighth and played all the way since but I didn't I was just playing because like I was tall I remember the first day of school at my new school in eighth grade the basketball coach came up to me she said I'll see you at tryouts I was like huh she's like yeah, I'll see you at trials. I didn't even think about playing basketball. <laughs> see you at trials, and that's how I played, and been playing ever since. It's like this is your career now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like she, she literally walked up to me and she told me she was like, "I'll see you at tryouts. Like it's this day. Like you're gonna be there. You're gonna play basketball." And I was like, uh, "Okay, like I guess." And even when I started playing, then like picked it back up, blocking shots. That's all I did. Block shots. High school block shots. So like, I've just had the knack to just block shots since I started playing basketball. You got tall person stereotyped, which (laughs) I've never been tall person stereotyped. Like, oh, you play basketball? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I get it a lot. And people ask, you get annoyed by it. And I'm like, no, because then I can play the joke on them. Like, you play basketball? I'm like, no. Volleyball. I'm a goalie in soccer because I have long arms. I go, oh, it makes sense. But like. You'd probably be very good at volleyball. I'll let them leave and think that I play that sport. But it's just, you know, fun and games. Was there another sport that was a passion of yours aside from basketball growing up? Uh, I mean, as a kid, I played no, as a kid, I played soccer, like baseball, when I was like really, really young. I played yeah. football for one year in eighth grade, and then I tried to play my senior year of high school. And my high school coach told me no, my basketball coach, he was like, You're not playing, like, don't <laughs> so I mean, for me, it was basketball, but again, I wasn't, I didn't take it serious until my senior year of high school. So, you gotta think as a freshman, sophomore. Just going to practice because I got to be there at practice. Okay, cool. I go home. I'm on video games all night. Go to sleep, wake up, repeat, do it again. Like my senior year in the summertime, my coach came into me. He was like, you can make some serious money, you know, like overseas if you kind of take this thing seriously. I'm not thinking I could be in this position now where I'm playing in the best country, conference in the country, having a chance to possibly play in the NBA. I was thinking like, okay, I can, you know, go division three go overseas for a few years, make some money and, you know, be able to do that. Never did I think coming as a senior in high school, that'd be in the situation right now. Yeah. I, I mean, that was kind of something that was intriguing to me because it just, it feels like this game has always just kind of been natural to you. I mean, you said that you never even worked on shot blocking and that was just something you were really good at. Um, now I kind of want to switch focus here a little bit on just kind of like NIL when it comes to recruiting, thought you had an incredible response as far as, Hey, I like Iowa state because I feel like I can develop myself better than anything here. And so like when it comes to 
you know, hey, you, you can see this as being an actual future for you where you can actually make money off it. You know, that's the appeal. That's kind of why most people would want to continue a career. But at the same time, there's a difference between um, I, I would I should say leading with, you know, NIL as a major factor to come here. And I think what I'm hearing nowadays is more and more coaches are starting their pitch with, hey, come to LSU and you can make this much money, you know, in. Uh, gosh, second time I'm ranting today. I work in the staffing industry. When I talk with candidates who are looking for jobs, the first thing I don't say is, hey, here's what the salary is. I say, here's what you'll be doing. Here's like what they're wanting out of you. And then we'll get to talking, see if it's a good fit. And then I'll pitch the salary. Um, and, and to me, that just kind of shows you're coming here for a reason. Here's the reason. And yes, of course, like at the end of the day, you work to get a paycheck. So that will be affiliated with it. But like, we want to know that you're bought into the development of yourself and to helping this team more than anything. Do you ever think of it as maybe like a red flag or something that was off-putting if a coach were to come to you and the first thing they would say is, hey, come here for NIL because you'll make this much money? Um, I can go two ways. I'm indifferent about it in a way you could think of it as a red flag because it's like okay maybe there's more concern about just making sure i get money but like they don't have a plan for me but at the same time probably there's a lot of coaches who probably start with like that because that's just a big thing now with athletes you know mm -hmm. like nil is finally a thing we can make you know money off of our name image and likeness so like a lot of players like want to know like how much am i going to be able to make off nil i don't think it's a bad thing a red flag for me personally it was just the decision was easy for me because it was like I'm making this decision to make, hopefully, and again, I got to be able to do that. That's on me and help doing that every single, working every single day, but hopefully to make millions in the mm -hmm. long run. You know, I didn't make a decision to make X amount of dollars for six months, basically. I didn't make it, I didn't make it for a six month, like, you know, payment. I wanted to make it for a, hopefully a 14 or 15 year payment where I'm getting millions of dollars. And I'm setting up my family for, you know, they, my family's good. And I'm providing for my family. So that was the big thing for me. It wasn't necessarily about the money. Like NIL will come when you're playing in the big 12 at Iowa state, like people are going to reach out to you about different deals. But for me, it was just more so like, I want to be a pro, you know, I want to play in the NBA. That's my dream. That's my goal. So hearing the, the plan TJ had, I was like, okay, cool. Like NIL will come. I'm playing in Iowa state in the big 12, like NIL will come to me. I'll find, I'll get deals and I'll get stuff like that. I'm not really worried about that stuff. Well, we got a connection at BNC Fieldhouse if you need it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> we could probably get you some like free beer, free burgers a week or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, no, I, I think that's it is a really tricky slope because NIL is obviously so new. And, you know, these powerhouses, I'm just gonna say it, like Texas, you know, and and not just them, but like USC, like that's a huge appeal to them. And at the end of the day, you know, when Tyrese Hunter left earlier this year, a lot of uh, Cyclone fans were aggravated. And I think Newt and I were pretty consistent on, Hey, don't get mad at Tyrese for that. I would probably, you know, if someone offered me like $5 million to do, do you know, go somewhere, I would probably take it. So I can't like blame him. I think, um, you know, where, where it gets a little like fuzzy is, you know, exactly what you said what will benefit you most embracing the short term 
or, Mm -hmm. you know, betting on yourself for the long term. And that's what I always think is just, you know, Iowa State's biggest appeal. Hey, we can develop you. Look at how many guys we have in the NBA right now. You know, yeah, you'd maybe be like making short term money more elsewhere. But for the long run, isn't this where you want to go? And I I think that's incredibly wise that you said that I was going to pitch that to you, but you kind of stole my thunder. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just like you don't want to take a check for right now. I want to if I got to take if I had to take less money to make millions of dollars, you know, four five, six, seven years now and be hopefully in my third contract in the NBA and set. And I'll take the less money. I don't want to take the big check now. And then, well, I didn't get any better in basketball. Now I'm not playing in the NBA. Now I'm in, you know, I'm in Europe and it's harder over there and everything like's going on like that. You're away from home and everything like that. So like, for me, it's just, like I said, betting on myself and just kind of just trusting the process, you know, hopefully like work, trusting TJ to put me in a position so that I can get better every single day to hopefully put myself in a position where I can make millions, you know, later on in my life. New, he's wise. He's using good he buzzwords like is. trust the process, bet on myself. Let's go. <laughs> he's bought in. He's he's all cardinal and gold, man. I love yeah. <laughs> Hasn't been here that long, but he's 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 a he's a, a veteran when it comes to this stuff. So <laughs> I, I oh. said in the very first game that you played, Shu, and I'm like, this is my new favorite player on the team, just the way you play, and obviously now. I, <laughs> Now you're just feeding into that even more, just giving all the words that we want to hear. Love it. All right, go for it, Newt. Sorry. Um, so I guess kind of now, um, you know, you say you, you didn't really take your game as seriously maybe growing up. Um, I kind of had a, a two twofer. I always like to see who, who are like maybe your favorite athletes growing up or who would you try to emulate your game? And then who do you watch now that you try and take things from or, or try and incorporate into your game too? Uh, so I would say growing up, I mean – you try to watch every kid like, you know, watches the best players. So for me growing up, I saw Kobe, I saw Bron, I saw a little bit of Shaq. Like that to like the peak of Shaq, like not peak, but I say like oh one, oh two, saw Shaq and then kind of saw like the the Shaq was still dominant and then he kind of went on his like down stretch. He got older. And then Bron came in, KD, Russ, all those guys. So I kind of watched all of them. I wouldn't say, like I said, I, at 14, 15, I was just like, you know, I'm just playing ball to play ball. Like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be somebody. I'm just playing to be tall. But when I got to my like senior year, one person that I really like, liked a lot was Russ because his motor, his motor was like, you can never question how hard he was going. Like he, like how AI said, that one year, I play every game. Like it's my last, like Russ was out there like 90 miles an hour, like, doing everything that was one thing that I wanted to be my senior high schools have a motor you know I wanted to have a motor be able to go 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 so that was kind of something that I took from a player in high school I mean now here I am I'm just trying to be the best player that I can be you know kind of focusing on my like things that I'm good at so defensively you know defense rebounding you know being able to pass well I pride myself in being a good passer I'm not selfish I like to pass the ball to my teammates so I always had a joke with one of my coaches my freshman year of college or my sophomore year. I told him I was baby Jokic. I could pass like Jokic, you know, can pass the ball like Jokic. Da, 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 da. So, I mean, taking his IQ, kind of seeing how he passes and kind of just like still kind of keep that motor from Russ, but just trying to rebound the ball as best I can. Because I know like the game has changed over the years, as you guys said earlier, like it changed from being like you can be a big way back then and never had to shoot three in your life like ever. But 
there's still bigs in the NBA now who don't shoot three. Rudy Gobert doesn't shoot a three once, but he plays defense and he rebounds like crazy. Like I can get paid doing that. But if I so if I can do that at a high level, and then now you add on the fact that I I'm capable of knocking out a perimeter jump shot, I can pass the ball a little bit, I can slide my feet a little bit more than maybe Rudy Gobert can. Like he's still I'm still working on that, but like I rebound like crazy. I play defense. I can get my foot in the door and play for somebody. Somebody's gonna need me to rebound. Then I get like, well, I can do that and I can shoot a little bit. I'm capable of shooting. And I'm still working on it. I can pass stuff like that. So that's kind of the whole thing. Like with me is just focusing on the things that I'm good at and then adding on to it. That's kind of been the plan for me here. Love that. I'm trying not I, to talk over you, new. I, I I know it's surprising. I was like, are you going to start talking? Because like yeah, normally I get I'm one question and then it's just. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I can mute myself for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I, mine is a very basic question here. Just how hard is an odds practice? Um, like, just, like the summer conditioning, like when he's like, oh, this is so like, this is what we're setting. Ots, like, Ots, this is the expectation I've learned from odds. He's really big on he wants you to feel your best on game days. Like, yeah, he wants to be able to jump out the gym, rebound the ball, like sprinting, all that stuff. Summer workouts. Some of my workouts and practices are intense, like, but they're not long. You, but you're gonna go hard for however long you're in there. You know, like you're gonna you're gonna grind, you're gonna bump, we're gonna scrap. You know, how long we're in there. So it's the same thing with during the season. Like, of course, you can't go as hard as you go in the summertime because you need your bodies to play well, everything like that. But us practices, they're intense. We build our habits every single day. Like we don't, we didn't go out there and we don't go out there and play the, the way we do on defense by just not going hard in practice every single day. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't come out there with that intensity and that that drive to do that stuff every single day if we're just kind of just lax days when I practice. So odds practices, they're not deadly, but they're intense. We go hard every single day. We push each other every single day. Come on, Mason, so, jump in there. Odds. Yeah, I know. I again I'm trying to be patient today. Look at you know they say it's throwing me change. off. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be a better person and, and let my let my guy speak here. Um, okay, but this is a really important question, Shun. You ready for this? Does seeing Coach Otz's jacked body make you guys want to work out twice as hard or something in the locker room? Be like, I can't let this old man like be more jacked than me. I mean, like for Dude, real. Like it, it motivates always, me. He's always gassing us up when he sees us in the weight room or walking by. Like every time he goes, Shun, you look. You look huge today, man. You're looking good. You're looking slow. Like, I appreciate that. Coach. <laughs> but I mean, you see him every single morning. We get in the mornings at Suka for practice. He's in there lifting. He's, he's doing his thing and he's he's bringing energy and he's always got good vibes early in the morning as he's lifting. So, I mean, we kind of always crack jokes about how he like he looks so swollen in his shirts. We kind of crack jokes how he has like smaller oh, yeah. shirts and looks swollen. <laughs> but, I mean, the schmedium. He yep. comes he comes out and you're like, look at him. He's just, he's just hockey. Like you see the pictures on social media, he just looks swole. But he's always he's always giving us energy and kind of picking us up and telling us that we look good. I mean, we go hard in the weight room, you know, and he sees it and you just try, kind of like I said to, to trust the process. But he's always giving us energy. Like you go, you're looking real big today. Like appreciate that, coach. Thanks. You know, that. Man, I, what what I would give to have Coach Otts tell me, Mason, you're looking you're looking good. You're looking swole today. That would make my year that my entire year. You, hear, you just start smiling. You hear him say it and you go, thank you. Yeah. Tell, you can't do anything but just smile and go, thanks. Coach. I appreciate that. Does he ever join you in any conditioning drills or even in the weight room? No. So like I said, he usually lifts in the morning. So like he's in doing his thing in the morning lifts. And then by the time we're lifting, he's doing, you know, meetings with coaching staff, you know, getting ready for, you know, game prep, everything like that. 
but he'll sometimes gonna... walk by and be like, he'll like if he's not busy, he'll sometimes walk by and like kind of like hype us up while we're in there lifting. Love that. I was gonna ask how much he benches, but I have not question for another time. Him. I have not seen him bench. I have not seen him bench, but I'm sure he could bench a decent amount. He's 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 huge. <laughs> ask him for us and then DM us. Let us know. I, I'm yeah. dying to know the answer. I got you. <laughs> So just how hype was the locker room after the UNC victory? I, I know it's like, it's, it's just one game and it's regular season. So if you couldn't see the videos on, on social media, I, that's true. Yeah. It, it was, was pretty hyped. hyped up. I mean, it was, it was a big win, you know, but you know, he gave us our, you know, like you said, we got in there, we celebrated it, and then he came and celebrated us. And then at the same time you come in there and you're like, all right, like we beat them, but like we work, every day. we work for those games. We work for games like that, be able to play, you know, on a, uh, one of the best like tournaments in the country at that time, you know, the PK 85 and playing against a team like that and getting the win. So he always does a good job of like allowing us to enjoy things, but at the same time, like, you know, we won, but let's, you know, let's, let's enjoy it for right now. But when the next day comes, we're, we're locked in for the next thing, you know, next opponent. I, I got a question about that. Actually, it's our producer, Liam. So Liam, you don't know him um, because he comes on our podcast probably once in every 20 episodes and um, we'll edit probably one in every 30 episodes, but for whatever <laughs> reason, we call him our producer. So this is his question um, at coming off, you know, beating number one UNC, but still having a job to do. I think it was two days after when you guys played um, UConn. Honestly, was it pretty tough to kind of wrap your head around where you're at, or was it? Did it feel like you guys were, you know, still just locked and loaded right there? Because personally, for me, it'd be hard for me to come down from that. Hard at all. Like I said, like that. So when in the locker room, you know, we we had our little celebration. You saw it on social media, the videos, us Mm -hmm. dancing and like, you know, being excited. You know, dumping like dumping TJ with water, all that stuff like that. Like we had our like good like you know five ten minutes. Then he kind of came back and like brought us back down. Like hey, like we didn't hear come here to win one. We didn't come here to win two. We got one more game to win. Let's enjoy it tonight. But, you know, when we get ready for the we tomorrow, like, let's that was yesterday. Enjoy it. You know, you did something really good, but let's go. And just like that, you know, everyone knows, like, boom, like this isn't a national championship game. Like we beat number one, but this wasn't the natty. We still got a long way to go. So you kind of flip it right back around, ready for the next team. Love that. So this was an observation I made um, and it was one of the coolest things I think I've personally seen, I already mentioned this in our episode last week, but in that Phil Knight invitational, when we played Villanova forced it to overtime, you know, in that moment, as like the final minutes were dwindling down, you know, you could argue Iowa state, you know, blew that lead and we missed the last second shot. We should go into overtime, just feeling so bad about ourselves. but that was not what Oz did, you know, exactly after, you know, the whistle blew he jumps off his seat, is clapping like crazy. He's super energized. He's getting everyone hyped up. And you look at Villanova staff, like not to you know discredit anything that they were doing, but you could see that they're like, all right, yeah, let's go, guys. And it was just kind of this crazy difference between the vibe that Ots brought versus Villanova. And it was in that moment I said, we're, there's no chance we're losing in overtime. And it really just kind of felt like we had control all, you know, throughout, I would say, most of overtime. So I mean, just, you know, talk a little bit about that, you know, just like how, how he just kind of reels his player back players back in and gets them mentally focused on everything. Um, It it's, it's big time for us because it goes into, like I said, I've said it before, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over like building our habits every single day. Like he always talked about, we are built for games like this. You know, we work every single day for games, like being situations like this. So when buzzer goes off and goes, uh, 
oh dang like overtime we're like we let's go win it let's you look like, you can literally watch him mouth let's go win this let's go win this and like you're in that huddle like we're gonna do the same thing we did we're gonna keep doing what we do we're gonna win this game like we're built for thing we're built for this since we got there in june we're built for stuff like that so just giving us the confidence every you know every single time we're out there just keep doing what we're doing love that um newt did you have a question about the most important player on the team um I feel like you have to ask it. All right. Okay. I mean, so you've, been, you've been fucking, you've been the leader of that one for a yeah, while. Yeah. I've been milking this take for a long time. So, you know, what I see some sportscasters do um, when they want to act smart is they won't talk about the best player on the team, but they'll talk about the most important. Right. <laughs> um, and I don't even know if this is true. So you're going to have to help me out. So confirm or deny is Alias Kunch the most important player on the roster? I would say the most person, the in my opinion, the most important person on our roster would be Conrad Holly, the big CEO. Okay. Chief oh yeah, big CEO because mm-hmm. he's he's hype. He, he jumps off he, the bench. He brings energy to us every single day. He's always talking. You never hear him not talking in practices, in games, on the sideline, in the huddles. Like we're coming in from a media, like. Like maybe a team when everyone like they had their run, they're not going on another run. Like he's giving us energy. Like, yeah, he's a walk on. Yeah, he doesn't play, but he's probably, in my opinion, like you know, we got guys like you know me, Jazz, Jaren, Taman, GK, all the guys that play. But he brings energy to us every single day. He's the chief. He's a chief energy officer for a reason. CEO every day, practice games. He's getting us hype. We're in practice. We run. We run like a five on zero set, and. I get like an easy layup. He's jumping up and down, screaming, like good, good finishing, like good past him and like let him know it was a good pass. Like it's stuff like that that keeps the team together and it helps keep us so like, like so tight and so close together. I, my opinion, like everyone does great things like for our team, like on the court, but like Conrad, in my opinion, is the most important player. It, it took me a minute to like have it click because he's a new or okay. For any Iowa State basketball fans that are unaware, uh, Conrad came from Kansas as a quarterback, actually. He was on their football team, and he transferred to Iowa State um, to play basketball. It was one of those kind of like weirder acquisitions, but we've it's not that we've never seen it before. We actually had Michael Jacobson play basketball for us, and then he got signed by the Colts and Seattle Seahawks. So it's, it's a very common thing that can happen. But, um, yeah, that was one thing that my dad actually mentioned to me. He's like, that's a guy that I think – I would like for you guys to talk to because he just, if you watch his energy on the bench, you can see how much of an impact he actually has. And, and especially if, like feeding into Ots's system. I mean, just hype. Love that. Yeah, even in the UConn game, when we were down. Like he's not, it's not like he's like, Oh, well we're down low, but we're down. He's we're making a run right now, but we're making a run right now. This is where we're going to make our run right here. Right. Like getting us like locked in and like helping us. Like he, I, that's why I said he's the most important player on our team. He just, the energy, you it, you can't not feed off that. Like, no matter if you're having a bad game or having a bad day, you see Conrad, he's always – like, he walks in the locker room in the mornings and calls out every person, like, good morning, shooting, good morning, GK, good morning, Tamer, like, everyone. Like, he, he brings that good vibe every single day. Okay, I'm okay with losing my argument on that. That's a great <laughs> answer. That's very good. Um, I got one more question. It's actually for our producer who's, um, you know – produces probably one in every 30 episodes but before i go into that newt do you have any other questions no let's let's hear liam's question okay so again shun this is liam's question not mine okay 
How tough was it hauling Caleb Grills nuts off the court once you beat North Carolina? That's my, that's my that's my road roommate. So I mean, he woke up. It's crazy. We we woke up for that game like hyped in the like hype in our room. He came. He woke up like just excited. He was ready. We were all ready for that. Like he just woke up really excited for that game. I mean, he he puts in the work every single day, and just to see it be able to be shown and like. Like I said, he shown like for it to be showcased on that stage against that team and how he did it. Like I'm, I couldn't be more proud of him. Like we're always keeping him, you know, involved and tell him how proud of him. Like still tell him like how proud I am because like every single day he puts the work in. And for it to showcase like that, it was it was amazing. He, I think when he shot the one from like the logo, yeah, like off the catch. Like you, if you watch from the bench, I stood up like, oh my, like. I didn't realize at first until like I watched the like replay on the I'm like he shot that from I'm like what I'm like yo he's in a zone right now I'm like yeah 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 he got it but I mean like I said he puts the work in every day you put the work in it's gonna show new help me out who's or honestly Shun feel free to help me out this is embarrassing I'm forgetting his name really good player from North Carolina guard um oh my god was it the one who like said he was short there we go. Yeah, but like, what's his? I can't. His, I can't remember his name off the top of my okay, head. Okay, this is embarrassing. I should know his name. But um, yeah, like at, within the first like five minutes of the game, I think he had like a little bit of a kind of like a step back jumper on Caleb Grill, and he he gave like the short man taunt to him. Which first of all, that would break me. I, I mean, at, sub six foot. Oh come on, dude. Oh, I'm the most. Dude, I got it every time I play basketball. Oh, boy, I got called I, like I a like... little bitch about a million times when I played because <laughs> I was just like a defensive grinder and would always try and like I I, I didn't shoot. I remember, like, I remember. You're not scoring. <laughs> I remember seeing him do that, and it was like, you know, like they were like that. They, they were talking trash to us in the beginning of the game, and it was just like we weren't like affected by it. Like we're gonna keep doing what we do, and as the game we're we're on, like they weren't saying anything to us towards the, as the game kind of got on. It was like. The first like five to ten minutes, like oh they're amped, they're excited, they're talking trash to us. But like as the game went on, it was just like nothing, no words, no talking trash, nothing. And it's just CG just being composed, like not letting something like that affect him. And he just kept playing his game and doing what he did and won his matchup. Do you guys as a team just choose to not talk trash, or is it? I I always feel like it's kind of an individual thing. In sense, like certain teams will talk trash, and you you want like that's what they want you to do to feed. We don't feed into that. Like I said, yeah. You do what we do. You know, we're focused on the game because if you're focused on talking trash, not focused on the game, and we're locked in on doing what we're supposed to do. And like I said, we'll celebrate, you know, as a team, you know, when we uh, you celebrate each other all the time, like I said, so we're not focused on like talking trash. So we just, we're celebrating each other and worried about the game. Shun, you give me a lot of um, Giannis Antetokounmpo vibes. He's my favorite player in the NBA and just like his humility, his classic, little um monologue on humility was one of the coolest things i think an nba player has ever heard and um you know before we started recording so listeners aren't going to hear this but you know shun was just talking about how important you know humility is to him and it just it gives me just good vibes i love it man (laughs) gotta stay humble no matter when you're at your highest you gotta be humble love it well new any other questions before we part ways i'm good i'm good this has been fantastic how about for us, Shun? Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you're we'll, just dying to we'll hear, reversal. you know, everything about. I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> shoot, like how, like, what's? I mean, like doing, like doing stuff like this is kind of like what I'm like into. So, like, just like what kind of got you guys started? Like, what kind of like brought up 
like what kind of got you guys doing this like what made you guys start this podcast and everything like that i've always wanted to be i like work in sports still um i i worked for the steelers for a while and then i actually work for fox sports right now um before it when i was in undergrad at iowa state i wanted to try and get into sports somehow and i was able to to get the barstool iowa state account my senior year and then it kind of they were asking me like is there anyone as I was about to graduate, like, is there anyone that you think could, you know, be interested that you could pass off to? Otherwise, like we have to find like some random, I kind of had to pull Mason's teeth a little bit to get him to do it. But then he, uh, he agreed to it. And then I went to grad school for a year. So I still helped out with Iowa State stuff too, because I was still in school, I guess. And so we worked together a lot and we're like, oh, this is kind of fun. And, you know, like we enjoy like tweeting about the games, texting about games, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we both graduated and it turned into, all right, like we're always thinking about Iowa State content or like, you know, like, hey, this would be a good tweet or like we should put out this video, you know, like that kind of stuff. And we're like, well, we should just kind of do our own brand for it and, and just see where it goes. You know, we already like <laughs> before either of us were in like relationships, we we jokingly said like we're in a relationship because we talk almost every day. And it's about like Iowa State sports or like things to post and stuff like that. <laughs> And so it just kind of led to this and it's been crazy. Like we've gotten to talk to like a lot of, you know, like great athletes, whether it's, it's current like you and, um, you know, we've gotten like Eli King on and stuff, but then we've also gotten to talk to a lot of like, you know, former cycling players too, that it's just, it's wild to, to be able to get their insights. You know, it's like, it's a totally different way that you guys view athletics and, and the sports versus like, we're the fan perspective. We've always been the fan perspective. And to, to be able to get like both those insights and just give those to people too. And we kind of do it at our own like pace and how we want to do it and with our own voice. And I think that's kind of one of the nicest parts about it too. So. Yeah. So. I think, um, honestly, I asked that as a facetious question, the fact that you actually asked us a question <laughs> shows that you'd be pretty good at this, by the way. I mean, like, um, yeah, my degree is a lot better than us. <laughs> my degrees in sports media. So like doing like, behind the camera in front of the camera that's kind of what I did in my undergrad at Bonaventure was kind of just like I've been in like the sound room so I've seen like what goes on like during like timeouts or like commercials when you got to control the, the sound of the uh the volume of that and make sure the dude their mics are not too loud where it messes up the sound like like I think the one thing that kind of surprised me was like say like jazz went on like he's like four for four from three or something like that mm -hmm they put the little thing on the side of the scoreboard like that has to be like and they do it like so fast and I caught my eye the first time I was back there I'm like oh my goodness like this is like interesting stuff same with like the camera and how they show replays like that's like they're back there controlling all the replays and I'm like this is crazy how they like they chop up a clip from like if I had a dunk they'll chop it up and hold it and then they go to a meeting and go like I got the thing ready run it and I'm like yo this is insane so that's kind of like why I wanted to know like I'm into stuff like this sports media is like I want to play ball but after that I want to kind of stay in sports you know if that's either commentary analysis or just like I said just kind of just in something involving sports you're going to be really good at that and I'm not yeah. saying you would be you're going to be because I can tell that that's where you're going to land and I, I think you're going to be really good at that it, it is interesting because the stats that they'll throw up on the big screen or you know even just like when you're watching it on the tv they're so quick to that. And it's, it's kind of like they're watching out for certain stats and I, you know, I, I, I'm a 
I'm a crazed NFL fan. I will not miss a game. And some of the stats that they pull up there while they're in the middle of gameplay mm-hmm. is like, you know, a historical stat that they kind of maybe fished from a couple different areas to pull. So you can tell it took a lot of work to get just one stat, but they were able to announce it live in live time while they're in the midst of the game, rather than maybe announcing it a couple days later, which is where it probably used to be, you know, 20 years from where we are today. So it's, it's crazy how much it's developed. Like the next generation stats that they just accumulate is ridiculous. And yeah, it just makes the game better. I would say. Yeah. I mean, like it's a whole team back there. Like, like how we're like, we're a team on the court and the communication. Like there's like a head guy who's like, like talking to every single person. Like, there's people that are like making sure, like keeping, like all right, well, sh- like say, like Jaron hit three straight. They're like, oh, well, so and so's hit three straight, so we'll have this loaded up for this if we want to show it. Boom, and he's like, all right, give it that ready, loaded up. Boom, click, click, and now he's controlling everything. And you're back there, like I was just doing sound at that time, so all I had to do was focus on mic, mic uh, volume, and then like music during like when they like bring up the stats at the end of the game or halftime, and then like music during commercials, and that was it. So I'm just making sure like volume is straight, but I'm hearing like I'm seeing them do this, and I'm like, this is like crazy how much it goes into it, like chopping up replays and like saving them and having them ready. Like the whole time he's chopping up replays, he's making like a halftime highlight tape for both teams, and then he's chopping up plays for like post game, da 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 da, and they they gotta get all the stats. Like how fast you gotta get stats up for like post game, like mm-hmm. field goals attempted, made three pointer, turnover, rebound. It's like. And they're like, I have this ready. Boom, 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 boom. And it's up. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. It's a fun insight. I I got to work. I I was in like the Steelers media department. um, And so I did social media analytics. So I got to help with a lot of the strategy, but a lot of my coworkers were like, you know, they're working game day. They're po- it's it's like you said, they're cutting up highlights and they're getting them out as soon as possible. All this kind of stuff. You know, the photographer is like, has an assistant who then is uploading photos in real time so that they can post them, all this kind of stuff. It, it, and it requires a lot of, you know, like, like you said, one person organizing above and relaying what needs to be done and, and everything like that. I, I loved it. I, I, um, I did event management for a bit too, in my undergrad. And I, I thought it was fun. Like the events are always a little chaotic. Cause it's like, even if they if they run smoothly, you're still like on edge the entire time. Cause you always have to like go do something or like, there's always the chance that something might mess up, but it, it is a, a fun atmosphere um, to be in. So, but mm-hmm. new and I have said, you know, we, we do have a lot of fun, like running the account and like kind of communicating with Iowa state fans, but we really just do it. Cause we have fun. We say the moment that this becomes not fun is probably the moment we're not going to do it anymore. Um, but it's cool to like kind of watch it continually grow because it's, it's kind of happening naturally. Um, but the easily the most rewarding thing, and this sounds cliche, sounds cheesy, whatever you want to think of it. Cause it is, but it's just like kind of getting to know the athletes. That was the biggest reason I wanted to start the podcast. A lot of people asked us to start a podcast. So like, yeah, sure. This will be fun. Um, but the biggest reason I like doing it is because we get to understand, you know, what makes you guys tick and kind of who you are, not only as athletes, but just as people. So like learning that you want to get into sports media after, you know, you're done with your playing career. That's awesome. And also, official invitation feel free to just you know hop on our pod whenever you want <laughs> feel free to um you know just i'll give you the twitter account you can take my place if you want <laughs> um actually guess, guess what we will offer you the super producer p- position that liam has <laughs> reluctantly you know embraced <laughs> you can go live on instagram whenever you want on our account too we don't really give a shit 
I hope he listens to this episode, Newt. He what might. We'll see. Does? Probably he not. Might. <laughs> <laughs> we could ask him to edit. Yeah, we could. Jeez. Well, again, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Newt, last time. Anything else before we part? No, no. This is this is great, and we even got to talk about ourselves a little bit, which was you know we got <laughs> that was our, cool our own questioning. Yeah, so. yeah, that was fun. One more thing before we log off, Shun, is we just give our listeners a little roll clones. So appreciate you coming on, man, and roll clones. Roll clones. Roll clones, baby. Appreciate you, man. You're the best. Appreciate it.